Welcome to Fashion Designers Get Paid, a podcast for burnt out fashion designers who want to ditch the toxic rat race, say bye-bye to backstabbing bosses, and work with brands who value and respect them. I'm your host, Heidi, and I believe that you can do things differently in your fashion career. Because the truth is, most industry jobs will underpay and overwork you, and having your own brand is far from profitable. Let's also be honest, most of them fail. So if you actually want to, well, be a fashion designer and get paid, the best way to do it is as a freelancer. Now, maybe you've been told that brands don't accept remote freelancers or that freelancing means being an exploited temp employee working full-time without benefits. Or to work freelance, you have to be a rock star expert with all the skills from design through development. I'm going to show you that it is possible to be a real freelancer in fashion, work remotely with brands you love, and make money, even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers. You got this, and I'm here to help you do it. Did you know that you can work with factories to do product development and sourcing as a freelancer? This is exactly what Amanda Russo does. She lives in Brazil, and she helps factories source new fashion brands and then manages the product development process. If it sounds interesting, it is. I had never heard of this sort of backward sourcing arrangement before, but it is a really fascinating way of building your freelance career in fashion. In just three months after kickstarting her freelance career and joining Fast, Amanda is already out earning her previous full-time salary. She shares exactly Exactly how she got her clients, how she put together contracts and retainers to earn consistent income, and about her amazing experience inside Fast. Full disclaimer, I did not prompt her on giving so many shout outs to my program. You're going to love this episode of Fashion Designers Get Paid. Let's get to it. Hey, real quick, before we jump into the episode, if you're sick of being tied to a desk and want more freedom in your day, I want to help you. Snag my free limited time training, How to Freelance in Fashion, even if you're terrified you don't have all the answers, to learn my five-step freelancing framework so you can work for yourself in fashion and get paid. Get instant access at soheidi.com slash freelance. We'll link it in the show notes. All right, now let's get started. Amanda, tell me a little bit about your, well, your journey in the fashion industry. I think you've been in the industry for quite a while. What's a little bit about your background? Okay, so I graduated in 2013 in one of our top design schools here in Brazil. I'm Brazilian. Um, I grew up in the States. So I went to um, a design school in Rio. And I started working with a few small, not so small, like a few fashion brands back during my, like, um, what's it called again? Like intern, like as an intern. Okay, yeah. Yeah with an internship, like as an intern. And then I, I joined Soma group, um, right after I left college, which is a very big group. You probably know it from farm Rio. Yeah. I've heard so of it. yeah, farm is like, uh, the biggest internationally known brand and they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest fashion groups here in Brazil. So yeah. that was like really, really important for me as a amazing school and, and education wise and work wise, it was very important. And well, since I graduated, it's been roughly 10 years. I've always worked with here what we call um, international product development okay. um, because it's it's different from the American and, and other industries because um, it's a smaller part of our products that are developed abroad and not the majority. So uh, in the States, almost every product is developed abroad. And right. here we have like a very big industry <clears throat> where products are made um, nationally. Okay. So um, I always worked with international product development. Uh, so okay. I always worked with developing products abroad with um, Indian suppliers, for example, Chinese suppliers and so many other factories throughout the world. Okay. 
So we were chatting a little bit before we formally started the the episode, and you mentioned that um, you did some freelancing before. You called it entrepreneurship or something? Talk to us a little bit about that. So... What I did was what 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 I'm doing now. That's sourcing and product development for um, major fashion clients here in Brazil. Okay. Um, I did that back then. A few companies um, got in touch with me and wanted to know if I could grow their business. A few factories, like factories abroad, wanted to know if I could grow their businesses here in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And I did that in the past. Um, it's sort really like sort of what I'm doing now. But I didn't know anything about like costs and charging and how exactly I would schedule the work exactly and how I would charge for that. And I didn't have any sort of support. So I was a bit lost doing that. It, it was it went out very well, but I didn't have what I have today um, with Fast. Okay. So I worked developing products at that time for like major clients here in Brazil. Um, most of the fashion companies and even a few um, other retail clients like Sephora, for example, was a client, um, some banks and, and malls. Yeah. Okay. And because of that, that different background where you can um, develop products internationally and it's, it sort of has this similar format to it. Um, I develop all sorts of products, not only fashion garments and naturally brands um, require that I develop other products and not only fashion products such as like marketing products or maybe like headphones or, or rugs or even like home decor stuff. Oh, wow. So I've developed all sorts of products. Yeah. Okay. But you said that you, if I heard this right, the factories and the suppliers got in touch with you and said, we want to grow our business in Brazil. So you were you actually like work, working them for the factory and then finding them new clients. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was actually working for a few factories abroad um, and finding them new clients in Brazil. Okay. And developing products with these clients and, fo- and following along the process. So it's like, inter- it, it really is the product development uh-huh. But there's also this commercial part to it where you find other um, clients for these factories. Yeah. So it's like backward sourcing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that was your original venture into freelancing. Well, you yeah. weren't calling it freelancing at the time. I wasn't. I was just calling like I was calling it like entrepreneurship. Because it really it, it really was like that. I like yeah. I was alone doing this and nobody else did it. And mm. um I like I didn't know any other people that I found to be like colleagues or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you did that for I think it was like 3 or 4 years, is that about right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then then what happens? Oh, and then I just wanted to start my own brand and I started a home decor brand um that I eventually closed as well. Okay. And then I went back to working with product development and I worked for a, a beauty company developing beauty accessories and beauty products. Okay. And yeah. now you're freelancing. Talk talk to us a little bit about where you're at now in terms of freelancing in the fashion space. Okay. So, I was 
I was in beauty. I wasn't exactly developing fashion products. There was some sort of fashion to it because like you wanted like trendy accessories, like claw clips and scrunchies and like some sort of trend following to that. Sure. But I really missed being in the fashion industry and I didn't, I didn't find a fit for me. Um, here in the Brazilian industry because of like salaries and payment in general, it was always below what I was willing, um, to work for, Mm -hmm. not only willing to work for, but what, um, my actual earning was like, Mm -hmm. so, so I decided to search for other things and well, fast was a way to still get my income and be in the fashion industry and and do it all at the same time. Okay. So you in the email you sent to me, you said you're working with three clients right now. I think yeah. they're all Brazilian. No. Oh, they're not. Okay. They're not. Um, so I found fast through the podcast. So oh, that's cool. why I was so, so happy to join. Welcome um, to the show. Of, yeah, of listener. It's always exciting to have you on. Yeah. Yeah. So I found you through the podcast and um, I decided to join. It was like three months ago. You did you did the shorter version of fast where um, what do you call it? Some like you call it an event, right? Yeah, it depends on when you did it. We at some point we were calling it freelance week. Yeah. Um, so okay. I did one of the smaller fast events, and yeah. then after that I joined. And I wasn't really sure about freelancing because of the experience I've had in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Well, I started the program and the most important thing for me outside of the program, which was already like so important to me, was the community and the group. Mm-hmm. And I actually um, got these three clients, like two two out of three clients from the group, from referrals mm-hmm. from the group. Amazing. So this was really important. And in these last three months, I've hit my normal industry salary. I've actually like, um, yeah, just... Um, just earned a a little bit more than my previous industry salary. So, okay. Is that when you were working after you did your in beauty? Okay. Right. After you did your entrepreneurship and then you had a couple years in beauty. No, my last salary. Yeah. Your last salary. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. In what, like your first three, four months of freelancing beating your last full-time salary. Yeah, exactly. My first three months. Okay. So talk to us about these three clients. So you got two of them through the fast community. How'd you get the third one? So, um, I got the third one out of an old contact that I reached out and, Mm. um, she is now in another factory, another, um, developing another sort of product. And I told her that I'm now freelancing and working in this model that I am since Mm -hmm. fast. And yeah, well, she's my third client now. Okay. So what, talk to us a little bit about you're now working on with the brands as opposed to working with the factories, but you're still helping them do international product development or am I I I wrong on that? I actually, um, here's the thing. So when I started, um, based on, on what you taught of us having to have a niche and everything, Mm -hmm. I started with, um, high end embroidered garments. Okay. And, that was my niche that I was like looking for referrals and, and jobs and anything. But, um, so I started with that and then it ended up going to back to the previous thing that I did, which is sort of backward sourcing. So sourcing for factories and not for 
clients. Right. Finding the brands for the factories. Okay. Finding the brands for the factories. So two of my clients are these international like sourcing product development. And one is a Canadian startup brand that's just like now starting in the fashion business and had this really particular high-end embroidered garment that I started out with. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and the other two, you said international sourcing and product developments, but but you're working for the brands, not the factories. I'm working for the factories in that you case. You are working for the factories in that case. Yeah. Oh, ah, the, the okay. startup brand, the startup brand I'm working for the brand, the client. And the other two. And the other two are factories that I'm working for because I okay. started with one niche and it ended up like naturally growing to another niche, I think. Okay. I want to hear about this. Like how, so you now have these relationships with these factories. They want more clients. They want more brands. They want to do more development. Yeah. How do you like go out and find the brands for them? Like, what does that process look like? I'm so fascinated. Oh, it- it's really exactly like you teach like cold pitching and and exactly like you teach um, when you're looking for um, a brand, a job, a job as a freelancer with a, uh, a fashion brand. It's the same thing. But uh, instead of just offering your product as like either a tech pack developer or either a designer or uh, you also offer one supplier that you already work with. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're basically just going out and pitching brands saying, I have this great supplier, here's all the great things they can do, da 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 exactly. da. Here's why it's a great match. Exactly. Ah. And on the other side, like I I have to have good suppliers to do that. I can't do that with like any random supplier. Yeah. yeah. So I find like trusted, reliable suppliers okay. with particular needs that I know that the industry might have. Okay. So, for example, um, right now it's big here. I think it's big. Every, I, I know it's big everywhere, but right now it's big here. Like um, Clo, especially Clo product development, especially for athleisure and athletic garments in general. Uh-huh. So I go out looking for a good supplier that will um, develop in the quantities that the brands need here. Everything very fitted to the brands here okay. um, with a particular delivery like for example either sustainable high-end garments or either clothes development athleisure garments and then i do the exact process that you teach in fast which is cold pitching and okay. and reaching out to brands and offering my services now when you say offering my services then are you like a middle woman representative like a broker it's Kinda. more than a broker it's okay. still a designer because y- I work through the the entire product development process. Okay. And and there's something different to it because like I said, um most of our brands here um they don't work in majority with international developments. Right? They work nationally they work with majority Brazil. nationally. Okay. So I also have this expertise of not only the English but the international like um industry standard so I always, I also help them and guide, guide them out through this process. Okay. So not only are you there to say like, Hey, I can connect you with this great supplier, which is what a broker would do. Yeah. Um, but then you take it further and you help. I develop the pro I develop okay. it with them. Okay. Yeah. So this is fascinating. I have so many questions. Yeah. So how, ha- 
How are you compensated? Um, through the <laughs> factory only. Through the so factory. Okay. I work with the factories with a retainer. Okay. Which is something that I learned um, talking to other people that work in the same way in the fast community. Uh-huh. So I understood what were the rates and how people were charging. So I work with the factories on a retainer and then on a commission based on any orders placed. Okay. So you get, gotcha. Okay. So it's specifically based on production orders. Yes. Okay. But, but, but like before any production orders, while I'm pitching and while I'm finding viable clients, I'm paid on a retainer. Okay. And what are you like, what are your deliverables inside of that retainer? Like, what do you have to do? I have to introduce um, clients to them, arrange meetings, um, eventually um, start developing products and sampling with clients here in Brazil. Okay. So it's it's actually like I work for the factory in some way. Yeah. And are are you like having to meet quotas or something of like how many pitches you're sending out or how many brands you're ultimately bringing to them? Like how, or is it just like, I'm just going to like, how did you kind of figure out that retainer? Um, I work on a one day a week um, retainer. Ah, it's time-based. Okay. So it's, it's time-based, but it's still a retainer and not hourly, like not, not hourly charged. Okay. Um, But yeah. um, I don't have an exact number of clients that I have to reach out unless they're coming to Brazil for meetings. But like, unless like the Indian person or in the factory is coming to Brazil. Um, I don't have like a specific number of clients that I have to reach out. I guess it's just in reason and, and, and out of trust that you will be doing your work yeah, and, and that the you're factory doing a good job. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you are compensated at a, on a base retainer by the factory, as well as a commission once the brand places a production order Yeah, and when you find a brand that wants to work at that factory, you then also guide them through the whole product development process. Is that part of the pro is the work that you put in to manage production also included in that retainer? I guess it's if, if, as soon as it starts to get beyond one day a week. Okay. And Um, so you're able to, you're able to fit all that in one day. I have contracts that I no. I have contracts okay. that I can review, and if I have any additional days to be charged, like for example, again, if the factory is coming to Brazil for like in-person introductions to the clients in Brazil, then mm-hmm. I will be charging extra days, and those extra okay. days have have a, a different rate set in contract. Okay. So yeah. Fabulous. So if I have any extra days and, and I need to review this. Um, I can, I can change this at some point. Or if you land like five brands all at once and then you're managing all the product development, like that's going to be a lot. So you have, yeah, if that does change, we can always, yeah, we can always adjust that. Yeah. Okay. So, and, but then you work with two factories. Is there like, um, any sort of collision there just with like competition and stuff? No, there, there isn't because of the different product. They're very different product types that uh, they develop. Okay. Um, so one is in the athletic athleisure, okay. um, equestrian garment side. And the other is high end, more embroidered and eyelet and like English okay. embroidery. Very different. Very different, but still, 
um, and and even different different brands as clients. So yeah, there are no conflicts there. Okay. Okay. Um, and you got introduced to both of these factories through the fast community. One was, um, an old contact that I had that she's now working at a new, new factory. Um, and the other was through fast. So Sarah Perrin Volk, I don't know if you've seen her post. So she Mm -hmm. works with one of those factories that I'm working now. Mm -hmm. And she was, um, asking if anyone wanted to be referred. Okay. And so the factory was proactively looking for someone like you to expand their growth in the Brazil market. Yes. Not exact. Um, when Sarah posted in the group, she actually posted for the American market, but I said, Oh, "Oh, Hey, I have experience doing this. Um, do you think they would be willing to do this for the Brazilian market? And then from then we, we started. They are doing it. Okay. Yeah. Um, how, what's the, like, I imagine you write a pretty personalized pitch for the brand. It's not just like these mass pitches that we see of like, here's this factory that can do A, B, and C, contact us. Oh, no, it's totally personalized. And since I've worked so many years in the industry and I studied here and everything, I have a lot of personal contacts. So uh, sometimes it's someone I already know, I've already worked with in the past. Um, so it, it it is a lot more personal than just like random cold pitching, I think. Yeah, but it still is a cold emails. pitch. Sure. Yeah. How do like brands typically react? Like what's the response rate with something like that? Well, at, at least for a first meeting to get to see the products and get to see what you have, it's a very, very good response rate because I think that, I mean, if you're developing, you always need new suppliers and you always totally. want to see what other other clients and what other brands are seeing as well. So mm-hmm. um, I feel that for first meetings, there's a very good acceptance rate. Okay. And then from then on, there's more of a fit to it because um, the product they're developing has to have a fit. Um, that collection is in particular has to have like garments that will need that. You have to have um, a good timing for when you reach them because you want to reach them at the point where they're looking for suppliers yeah. and not at the point where they're already like in the middle of the collection and developing with already sure. um, suppliers. So. Um, so there, like the rate gets a few, uh, like a a little bit lower, but still there's a good acceptance rate, especially because I am a Brazilian person in the middle of this conversation because there's always a cultural issue to it. Like, um, as I said, the international industry standard is not as common here as, um, for the rest of the world. Yeah. So to have me in the process is important for the brands as well. You're doing this backwards sourcing and you've also got this client in Canada. What does your arrangement with him look like? Or I shouldn't say him, them. I, I think you said it was a guy. Um, it's a girl. Um, it's a girl. Okay. I misheard. Woman. Um, she is a startup brand and she is working with Allison and Allison referred me. Allison, I think Alice. it's Hone. Heinous. Heinous. Yeah. Yeah. So she referred me to the product, th- this project and she is developing like really new and really different products. And she needed this product that had um, particular embroidery expertise. Like, mm. so, so you have that I expertise. Work with her. Yeah. So it's more of, of, it's not only product development with her. She, it's also like a consultation since she's a startup brand. And so 
it's a it's a larger project. I was just listening to one of your podcasts before we started. Um, you 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 interviewed a person, and this might not come to your mind right now, but you interviewed a person that has an agency that works with startup brands, and she offers them packages with specific pricings for each package. Um, I've interviewed I've a handful of agency owners. Yeah. Well, still with anyways. Um, this- with this client in Canada, um, she needed more than just like a tech pack or more than just sourcing. So I do a sort of package where I have like consultation and guidance throughout the process, as well as the tech pack and sourcing, um, for her until we have a delivered sample that she can present and then place orders based on that sample. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. We'll get back to the episode in about 20 seconds, but real quick, if you're scared to freelance in fashion without a steady paycheck, I want to show you exactly how to get a full list of clients so you can pay your bills and so you don't get your hopes up and then have to go right back to the fashion job you hate. I share it all in my free limited time training, how to freelance in fashion. Even if you're terrified, you don't have all the answers. Get instant access at soheidi.com slash freelance. We'll link it in the show notes. All right, now back to the episode. So you've got that, which is a package project-based client. And then you've got the two factories that you're working with on retainer. One day a week each? One day a week each. So I now have 16 hours booked a week. But you're making more than you were working full-time? Yeah, Yeah, but I do like, I do work full-time. Okay. Okay. But yeah. What are you doing the other 24 hours? I, I, I am working because, um, because I guess, well, I'm going through fast and okay. I that's am, personal development. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Learning. Still, yeah. Like, like I count that as working, but, um, I'm going through fast. I'm connecting with other people, um, in the community. Like mm-hmm. we have, um, we've mentioned it a few times in a few times in other calls, but we have mini coffee chats where we get together yeah. once a week. Yeah. And these are so amazing, but still that's like half an hour each week. But, um, but yeah, the rest of the time I'm doing stuff like that. I'm like looking for clients that I could reach out to, um, understanding Brazilian brands and what they might need as in sourcing and product development and, um, catching up with the industry and, and yeah. knowing what, like what's going on. And so, yeah, so I am working full time, <laughs> but I guess I could still fit in a few more clients. Right. But, and, and all that stuff is great. I think you're building a lot of like the foundation of your freelance career, right? Yeah. So that it does continue to grow on autopilot. Yeah. Um, but still, even in those 16 hours a week booked, that you're doing right now of paid work, you're making more than you were making in like a 40 hour week job. Yes. More than 40 hour week job. More than 40 hour week job, right? Probably 50, 60, who knows what, right? Yeah. And you mentioned in the email that does not include any potential commissions that you get from these production orders. Exactly. That is based on like my monthly income only. Base rate. Okay. Yeah. My base rate. That's amazing. How does it it feel to be there? Um, Like I said, I was a bit like, unsure of going back into into freelancing but then when I hit like this record I was like oh my god this is it I'm completely (laughs) diving in so um so I've just I guess I feel safer doing what I what I am doing and and yeah it's amazing what 
Why did you feel unsure from your previous experiences? So in my previous in my previous experiences, I was paid only commission based, and I didn't have any sort of retainer uh. or, or um, like billable hours in any sort. Um, so that was the first thing. And the second thing was I didn't have the community and people to reach out to and to even understand the rates. Like, do you mm. do this? How much are you charging? How does this mm. work? What's in your contract? So this is really important. And I, I guess like this is one of the most important things f- like from fast for me mm-hmm. because, um, having other people to talk to and to understand their background and, and understand what you can do in your background um, is so very important to me. Mm. And even the smaller, like I said, the mini coffee chats, those weekly calls where we get together and we just say like, Oh, this week is rough or this is amazing. I just landed a new client or we just like freely talk about anything. These are like so amazing. And I feel that I have coworkers Uh. and that I'm not doing this on my own. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me so happy. I always like talk about how amazing the fast community is, but it's really hard to put into words until you're actually in there. Oh no, it's, it's extremely amazing. Like you did one of your smaller events now and I was almost opening my mic to say, it is amazing. Please join because do it next time. (laughs) Yeah, Because I mean, the community really changed everything for me because like I said, I was doing a very similar work before and I had very good results, but I was not earning enough. So, and that was mainly because I didn't have a retainer, for example, I didn't have any other friends doing the same thing or colleagues doing the same thing. So, um, yeah, fast has really changed the experience for me. Okay. Would you be open to talking a little bit? I mean, you explained earlier how in the contracts that you have with the factories, there's things such as like, you know, if, I'm doing this extra amount of work. There's this additional day rate or whatever, something like that. Um, but would you be willing to talk a little bit more about how you put together that contract, how you came up with your pricing? Um, I always love hearing numbers if you're open. I know some people don't want to, you know, if you're not comfortable sharing the actual pricing and the day rate that you're charging, that's fine. Um, yeah. but, but your process for coming up with all that and figuring that out, that, that can feel really hard. Yeah. So this time around, it was really easy because like I said, I found other people that are doing the same thing in the community mm-hmm. and I um, talked to them to see how much they were charging and and how this was working out for them. Mm-hmm. Um, in my contract, to be more specific, um, I have the responsibility of finding new clients for the factories okay. and sampling and developing with these up until the point where we place orders. So the okay. main intention of our project together is to have orders placed from That's Brazilian the main goal. Okay. Yeah. The main yeah. goal is like to have orders placed. Um, from the factory, I can require, like, if I need any specific sample that I know would work here in the industry, uh, anything that I might need to help throughout this presentation, even having them fly over for meetings, I can mm. require anything of that sort mm-hmm. um, to smooth out the process. And, and yeah, and there's also my commitment of working one day a week, one full day a week, every week. Um, and we based our contracts in 
shorter time slots, like um, three months or six months, for example, depending on how fast I think this might go with each um, factory and how fast they might be fitted in in the market. Mm-hmm. So from that point on, we can always revise the contract and see um, how much I need to be charging. Okay. Um, and I do have in the contract additional additional days, like I mentioned previously, like if they're coming to Brazil for meetings, then mm. if we have three full days of meetings, like you get compensated. Booked, yeah. Yeah. I get compensated for those days because I won't be working on any other projects. I'll right. Be working exclusively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for them. So, and if I have any other like billable fees, like for example, if I have to fly to somewhere else for a meeting to present their product to a client in a different state, Mm. I can always build that out to the factory as well. Okay, gotcha. So are there's other people in FAST doing this exact thing, this reverse sourcing where they're working with the factories? Yeah. There are? Why have I yeah, not heard it, about this? This is the first, first time I've heard about this. Yeah. Um, I actually... Um, I actually discussed with like um, the girls in our mini coffee chat and I actually, I, was, I said like, I don't know what to call my niche now Yeah, because I don't like, I don't know what to call this because it's changed and. Yeah. What are you calling it? I'm calling it just like either pro- like project product management or okay. just sourcing and product development. Okay. But I don't like it. I don't like calling it product management that much because I feel that, um, I feel that it gets like confused with other buzzwords in other industries. Mm, oh like, yeah, yeah, more yeah. Of, like a tech industry tech. thing, like product, yeah, like product manage- management. Totally. So I just, I just like calling it product development and sourcing. But okay. I don't know if that's the best name. So I'm opening. I'm I'm open to to hearing out new names. Yeah, because it's interesting because you're doing it from the factory side. So. Yeah. That's where I'm like, hmm, it gets, it's like reverse. Yeah. But I could, I could always do that for a client um, in either ways. Like I could always do that. I could always do the regular sourcing for a client, either a Brazilian brand or an American brand or anything. True. It's, it it would still be the same process. Okay. Do you, is there any legalities or maybe legality or just, ethically or something with any type of disclosure about the commission component. And I asked this based on some personal experiences when I was freelancing in terms of like, do you disclose to the brand that you're getting a commission once their order gets placed? And, or like, let's say if you were starting off with a brand new client and you were doing sourcing on their side, that like you have a vested interest in placing them with this specific factory. And you have great ethics and morals, I know, but right. That can get into a tricky situation where someone could make a bad match just so that they get the commission or something. And so I'm just curious, what type of disclosure do you work with on that? You can never be a hundred percent safe on that. Yeah. Um, You always have to um, trust the factory that you're working with and trust sure. that they will pay you your commission based on what you deliver. Sure. But, um, but if I do it the other way around, if I do it for a client, I'm obviously not going to charge a commission from the factory. I might not even charge a commission from the client. I must, I might just charge them for a project. It wouldn't make sense to charge oh. a commission 
I guess okay. the commission is more for the factory because you are um, like I could do sourcing um, for Brazilian clients, just freelance sourcing right to any factory, like not a specific factory. But since I do have contracts with specific factories, then I charge them commission because like I'm specifically taking these developments to these factories and not anywhere else. Right. So like if a active athleisure outerwear brand approaches you and says, Hey, we want to do product development internationally. Can you help us? You obviously have a factory that you represent in that capacity that does ultimately pay you a commission for production. So I imagine... Go ahead. Yeah. So what I would do is first thing I would say, I work with this factory. Would you be willing to, okay. um, would you be willing to work with this factory? And then if not, then I might not work with that client because I already work with the factory. There's a conflict. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So you just disclose that right away and then it's a non-issue. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I, I, I was never put in that situation, but I guess I would disclose it right away. Okay. All right. Just curious how you handle all these things. Because with with commission, I think it can just get a little bit tricky. You have a vested interest. Yeah, but um, but I don't. I I normally just like work with the factories that I have commission for, and I don't do it like um, with other other factories, for example. Right. I mean, unless a product came that wasn't a match for either of those factories, then perhaps you could you would work with somebody else. Yeah, then perhaps so, but then, but then, yeah, it would have to be completely different from the factories that I work with, right? Like denim or something. Yeah, like denim, okay. for example. Okay, like there would have to be a non-compete of some sort between the product yeah. and the factories that I already work with. Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't do that. I guess. I, I guess I wouldn't even feel comfortable. Yeah, and I imagine likely in your contract with them, there's something that like you don't take product to another activewear factory. There's some type of non. Actually, it's nice that you mentioned that because there's not. Oh. But um, but yeah, like I said, out of reason, I just wouldn't do it. Sure. Okay. Okay. Wow. This is so amazing. I'm really impressed what you've built for yourself, Amanda. Yeah. Thanks. It it must feel great. It does. Congratulations. Um. Any last parting words that you would share with someone who is thinking about freelancing and maybe is on the fence, whether they tried it before or not? Oh, I would say completely go for it. I, <laughs> I wouldn't imagine how big the market is. Um, I had no idea. Um, there are a lot more clients, a lot more clients needing freelancers than I would imagine before. Mm. So I would completely say go for it. And I would completely say join the community and you will definitely feel safe doing mm. so. Like find your mini coffee chat group, find smaller groups of people that you would be willing to interact with mm-hmm. um, that could help you out throughout the process. Because like me and the girls, for example, um, and just a shout out to them, um, Courtney and Jacqueline um, oh, and yeah. Amanda. Okay, Courtney yeah. sent me an email and mentioned, she goes, I've made what I am already determining as lifelong friends. And she mentioned you oh, and Jacqueline. That's yeah. yeah. So we have this coffee chat and just a shout out to them. It's Jacqueline, Courtney, and Amanda, Amanda Tomea. I don't know the pronunciation in English. Okay. But she's 
like she's always also from a Brazilian family. Oh, okay. Um, and yeah, and like it's amazing, and we are in completely different niches. Each one of us has a completely different background, and yeah. we don't even like work in similar projects. But just being together throughout the process is just so important. And and like Courtney said, I'm so happy that she did. Um, I, I really feel that I have friends in this process. Aww. Like. Yeah, it's amazing. And I feel that I have coworkers as well. Like I feel that I have other people that are in this with me that I can rely on if I have any questions that I might need to ask or that I can like ask if they're joining any events um either in fast or any other um community and just spend some time with them while working. Yeah, rather than trying to do it all in a vacuum by yourself. Oh, yeah, that's so much harder. I've, I've been there. I've done that. Uh, it's so much harder. It's tough, right? Nobody to yeah. ask questions to, nobody to get moral support when you're like having a terrible week or just celebrate when you're having a great week. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, in this process, like like I said, let Sarah, like Sarah referred me to one of the factories. She's like an actual colleague because we work for the same factory. She's just doing it in the UK and I'm doing mm-hmm. it in Brazil. So, like, oh. so we're doing the same thing. So throughout the process, it's just so it's, it's really like safer. Um, and it's really, it's a better experience in general of having someone else there. And I've also introduced her to another factory that I work with and hopefully they'll be working together soon. So amazing. um, Yeah. So it's nice to have coworkers, even though we're all working on our own and freelancing. Yeah. It makes my heart melt. I'm so excited um, to hear all of this and to hear about your amazing success. Um, Where can everybody connect with you and find you online? I can be found online almost everywhere. Instagram, LinkedIn, um, the Fast community, and my email. For Fast students, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, awesome. We'll put all that in the show notes. And I would love to end with a question we ask everybody at the, the end of the interview. What is one thing people never ask you about freelancing and fashion that you wish they would? Um, I guess like as a marketing moment here, I could say, how did you get into it? Cause, and then I would introduce them to fast because like <laughs> I you. said, yeah. Cause like I said, um, I guess that's like the biggest question to be asked. How do you do this exactly? Like, mm. um, so many of the formats that you show in the program and so many of like the prompt pitches that you have and already proven, um, working contracts and pitches and formats and all of that is so helpful throughout the process. So I guess like that was, that would be the important advice that I had, I would have to give out. Yeah. Get started on a good foot rather than just kind of diving out into the ether and trying to do it on your own and having no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that shout out for fast. All your shouts out for fast. Thank you so much, Amanda. It was lovely to have you on. It was. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to the Fashion Designers Get Paid podcast. If this episode inspired you in any way to get out of the mass-produced rat race and get your fashion career out of the hands of toxic corporate bosses, just like one of my students did, Alexandra, who makes more money in one day of freelancing than she did in two weeks at her old industry job, Yes, true story. I'd love to help you take control of your own destiny as a freelance fashion designer or TD, PD, pattern maker, etc. Get instant access to my free limited time training at soheidi.com slash freelance. 
We'll link it up in the show notes. And of course, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. We release new episodes every Monday to help inspire you for or help you get through the week ahead. You got this. Me and my team are rooting for you.